Welcome to the Drum Shuffle, a podcast offering insights, perspectives, and conversations for drummers. I'm your host, Jamie Eads. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Drum Shuffle. Jamie Eads joining you as always. This is episode 22. Hope everybody's having a great week out there. We have a fantastic show for you today. We are going to be joined by the great, the fantastic, the super Michael Miley of Rival Sons. Miley took a little bit of time uh, off from his tour of Europe with Rival Sons to talk to us. Uh, so we're going to be joined by him in just a second. So please stay tuned. Lost Cabos drumsticks may be the best kept secret from drummers today. Lost Cabos Drumsticks makes the finest tools to touch a drummer's hands in the business. The best news, almost every popular stick size is available in both white hickory and red hickory. If you don't know what red hickory is, it's made from the heartwood of the hickory tree, unlike regular white hickory, which is made from sapwood. Red hickory drumsticks will hold up to even the hardest hitting drummers. Their durability comes from the density of the wood, but they do not sacrifice the feel. Please visit LosCabosDrumsticks.com to learn more about their products. And don't forget to ask at your favorite retailer for Los Cabos Drumsticks. We are very pleased to be joined by Michael Miley today. Miley took some uh, some time away from his tour uh, of Europe with Rival Sons to talk with us. So we really appreciated him doing that, uh, hooking up with us on his day off in Bergen, Norway uh, to talk with us. Now, I'm of the opinion, and I think I may even say this during our interview, uh, Miley really is kind of the closest thing to Bonham we have today. Rival Sons uh, has put out a handful of records. Really, really great rock and roll band. Um, they are bringing it true uh, to, to the term rock and roll. Uh, just a huge fan of his playing, and he's a really cool guy. Uh, so I hope you enjoy the interview. Uh, without further ado, let's welcome Michael Miley to the Drum Shuffle. Good afternoon, Miley. How's it going, brother? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Man, I'm doing well. Um, I Let me say, I appreciate you taking the time. I know you've got a day off in Norway today. Um, it is just after 8 a.m., here in the States, and I know it's mid-afternoon for you, so I appreciate you uh, making this work. No worry. Yeah, I'm, I'm in Bergen, Norway. Um, tomorrow, um, uh, we play with Queens of the Stone Age at Bergen Fest, so looking forward to that. Um, good old John Theodore is drumming with them, and um, it's going to be real fun. Yeah, for sure. Well, and I know that you guys are doing you know, uh, a couple of weeks, but, uh, here towards the end of June, I know you're doing a couple of dates, uh, with guns and roses. You got to be looking forward to that as well. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, Frank Ferrer is a good friend of mine. Um, he's a drummer for guns and roses. And, uh, it's, I, I, I always mention the other drummers cause it's when you get out on tour, it's, it's always like a kind of reunion of friends out here. You know, you see, um, it's 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 more about kind of the the reunion for me than I mean of course I love I I grew up on cut my teeth on Guns N' Roses you know 
sure. um, and, and their music. Pardon me while I pour a hot cup of coffee here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no problem. I'm having some coffee myself. Um, Miley, you know, I, I've been doing this show since uh, back in February and far in a way, you know, the, the two guys that I get asked to have on the show most often are you and Peter Chris. <laughs> so, um, I, you know, everybody is, you know, uh, is buying on rival sons, no doubt about it. And, you know, when when we've talked in the past, you know, we, we kind of talked about your, you know, I think everybody knows you grew up in, in Long Beach, California, and everybody knows how you kind of got into the business, um, you know, so I'm not going to bore our listeners with that. But tell us a little bit about who some of your early influences were. And, and I think that will lead us in a in a pretty cool direction here. Yeah. Um, well, I, I would say, first and foremost, my dad, because um, without my dad being such a muso, like, you know, he was buying records and and looking to see who was playing who played what on what album and and he would be telling me you know that's that's joe walsh on guitar that's steve lukather on guitar that's jeff Beccaro on drums that's jim keltner on drums that's rick Morata on drums uh that's steve gadd on drums um i at a very young age um took took an interest to the drums uh through my dad just playing music all the time i mean i had constant soundtrack going whether it was at home or in the car uh, and my dad played guitar as well. So I, I'm very lucky. And my m mom and sister as well were super into music. And, uh, my older sister, uh, was into like Paul McCartney and wings and to U2 and, and echo and the Bunnymen and a lot of new wave stuff in the eighties. And, um, so I, I was exposed to a, like huge, um, uh, my cousins play, played me Iron Maiden and Motley Crue and, you know, Dokken <laughs> and like sure. Metallica. Um, I was into like, I was into everything, man. And then, um, high school, I got into to Jane's addiction and, um, sound garden and all, and all that. So, uh, and Frank Zappa, I was, I joined jazz band. So my dad kind of kicked me off into these directions, uh, all these different directions. And so, um, but what, you know, a few that stand out, Steve Gadd, Jeff Beccaro, um, and John Bonham, I would say are probably like kind of the first three that I listened to. And I really said, yeah, I'm going to be a drummer. <laughs> it, well, yeah. And I mean, I think some of that stuff comes through in your playing as well. You know, I, I kind of ribbed you a little bit and I said, you know, you're the closest thing to Bonham we have in this day yeah. and age. And, and I meant that, you know, as the ultimate compliment, because, you know, I grew up a, a huge, you know, Bonham disciple, but, you know, I, I think rival son's music kind of lends itself to those big, heavy grooves. And it certainly shows that, that you listen to, to, to Bonham quite a bit. Um, and you know, I mean, is it fair of me to say that you are, you know, a heavy groove oriented drummer? I mean, that's what I hear that comes through. Um, yeah. So, I don't know. It's I've never really analyzed uh, myself that deeply, but um, I would say it's it's hitting me really hard right now that Scott and I started this thing in 2005, and 
I played a 26 inch kick drum uh, with my old band. And, uh, and when I was gigging around Hollywood, um, I was always playing with the 26 and that was kind of like my thing. And so we kind of developed the sound around this band around big drums and then Scott's, Scott's humongous riffs. So, um, putting the big drums to a big riff is a pretty tried and true formula, you know? Um, uh, I mean, I think Keith Moon and Pete Townsend did it. I think, uh, Clapton and, and Ginger Baker did it. Um, Mitch Mitchell and Jimi Hendrix did it. Um, all of the guitar, all of the great guitar bands always had like a really big, great ringy open drum sound, um, at least from the sixties. And so, um, the, the, the riffs that we were writing, I mean, it just, it would not sound good with a tight 22 by 18 with a pillow inside. <laughs> um, you know what I'm saying? Oh, it's I, like, yeah, absolutely. It's so it's just naturally this sound kind of naturally just progressed and, um, and we've done every album with Dave Cobb with the same kick drum. Um, we've used uh, my, my Mayer Brothers 26 by um, 14 or 14 by 26, whatever you say. If you're a, sorry for the, all the drum nerds out there, I think it's 14 by 26 kick drum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, that, that's, that kick drum's been on every record. And uh, we've had the same sound man since we started touring. And so... The drum sound for Rival Sons is a pretty, pretty distinct sound. Yeah, I mean, I I completely agree with that. And, you know, what's cool about, you know, Rival Sons um, is when I hear a song for the first time by you guys, pretty much within the first couple of bars, I go, oh, yeah, this is going to be a Rival Sons song, right? I mean, even if it's the first time I've heard it, I mean, it's it's very distinctive, which I think is is great in this day and age, um, you know, that that it is recognizable. It's going to be a, a big riff with, you know, that groove, which I think is just, you know, um, it, it's your calling card, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Um, is it something that, you know, I want to talk a little bit about your writing process. Is it and I know it's it's been well discussed that you guys pretty much write while you're in the studio cutting the records, um, you know. Yeah. So is it typically, you know, you and Scott, you know, kind of um, coming up with, a you know, Scott coming up with a riff and you putting a groove to it and then everybody else kind of falls in? Or how does that writing process work with you guys? Yes. And yes, um, (laughs) we like, so the first, uh, four albums, uh, or well, we have six, six records we've done. So, um, the first one was kind of self-produced, uh, second, first and second were self-produced. And then the, the next four are on earache records. Um, but all we, we would come in, set up, get, you know, we'd get drum sounds in like two hours. Like it would, less than two hours, you know, just line checking all the, all the mics. And, um, um, and then, you know, by day one, uh, you know, we, everybody's line checking, getting sounds and Dave Cobb works so fast. And, um, he's always had great engineers, uh, to, to, to help us get the sounds we want, but we always get the sounds so quickly. And the, the motto has always kind of been, 
with us to, uh, no overthinking, you know, be, because once you start overthinking, then you just waste time. And, um, um, so yeah, Scott will have a riff, um, or I'll be like tinkering on the drums and Dave Cobb will be like, Hey, that's a cool groove. So, you know, write a riff over it. Um, or, or the bass player, uh, will, will come in, um, and he'll have an idea. Sometimes Jay, Jay will have a full idea with chord, chord changes and lyrics already done. Um, but to the stuff where it's just like drums and guitar and bass on the floor coming, coming up with a riff and, you know, a verse riff and a chorus riff and how many times we want to do each. And, um, Sometimes we'll, we'll be Dave, Dave Cobb will be recording and we're, we're going like eight bar verse, eight bar chorus and just kind of looping it just to get a feel. And then Cobb's like, Hey, I got it. You guys can, you guys can come in. And we're like, dude, we're still working it out. And he's like, Oh no, 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 no. I got it. <laughs> and, and Jay's in there writing lyrics and then Jay will go in and then throw a vocal on top. Um, we've done it. We've done it so many different ways, but um, that, that's where the, when the fun is, is when you think you're, we're just like, I'm just throwing ideas out and then he's hitting record and <laughs> it's going to the album like, Oh, you know? Yeah. So. Well, and I mean, I think that's, you know, kind of a secret weapon, you know, uh, having a, a producer like a Dave Cobb that just has such an ear for, yeah, we definitely want to grab this. And you know, I've heard that he basically always has tape rolling just in case there's magic that 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 happens. Oh, yeah. Like you said, you know, tinkering around behind the drums. He's you know, he just has such an ear. Yeah. Um, you, yeah like, I mean, even the albums we've done on tape, I'd say we've done half half our albums on tape and half on Pro Tools. We always do an A.B. at the beginning of the process. Um what Cobb is always changing his gear. So sometimes he's, he's got like a, you know, a Helios desk and, and, and so we got some great, you know, mic mic prees in each of those channels. And then, and then for some reason we'll run it through tape and we'll run it through pro tools and the analog board into pro tools actually is more dynamic and, and, and the kick has more balls uh, the drums and bass, you know, will have more balls on the Pro Tools. And then we'll go in to make the next record, and he's got a different board and a different tape machine. And then we'll all choose the tape machine, then we'll go to tape. But even if we go to tape, we'll have Pro Tools running the whole time, um, just in case. Because um, you can't, you can't, I mean, we're not like Metallica or Iron Maiden or, you know, big budget stuff where you just have tape rolling <laughs> Right. Um, it's expensive. You need hard drive space to, to do what we're doing, basically. Yeah. And, and you know, the joke is, um, you know, I had Mike Fraser on here recently on the show, you know, the great, you know, recording engineer, mix engineer. And he said, you know, sometimes I go to a studio and and we can't even get a roll of tape. You know, if we want to do stuff analog, it's just hard to find, you know. Um, yeah. So it gives you the, the maximum flexibility. Um, you know, I, I know that you guys, um, you know, obviously you're in Europe and you guys are still touring, uh, you know, the cycle for hollow bones. Um, you know, um, I, I know that, you know, when we talked last, um, I, I think the new record is pretty much in the can, right? Yeah. Yeah. We just finished recording 
our, our newest album. It's going to come out on Atlantic Records. We're really fired up. Um, we're shooting for September, so crossing fingers. Everybody out there who's a fan, um, cross your fingers. Uh, we, we would love to have it out by September. Um, I wish this uh, thing that boils water would just not do it automatically. Um, <laughs> the, the, the life of uh, European hotels, right? I know, I know, I know. It's, it's, uh, it's great. They have the best coffee over here in Europe, by the way. I love... I love European coffee. Like every European country has, they do it strong here. And um, <laughs> bring in the heat with the coffee. <laughs> yeah. Like they don't even, they don't do Denny's, you know, like brown, brown water coffee. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. For sure. Well, that's fantastic. But, but yeah, anyway, um, sorry, I got off, off topic. But yeah, we have, we have an album coming out. Uh, we're in the mix process right now. It's pretty exciting to get, get the mixes and we're on the road. So everybody's taking their headphones. Um, and, and we're, we're listening on like little boom can boom bottle from like our skosh, you know, the, the car, car stereo company skosh. They, they give us a bunch of ear headphones and boom bottles and stuff. And, um, so we sit around with, with those and listen to the mixes and, um, put them in headphones. We, if we have a, a runner, that out here on, you know, like at the venue, they'll sometimes they'll have a runner that'll go to the store for you and stuff. And we'll jump in their car and listen, cause you want to get as many different, uh, ears and, 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 uh, mediums, um, through which you listen to, you know, the music. Um, so that's pretty exciting. And we, we don't know what we're going to call it yet. Um, but we're putting the artwork together. Everything's coming together right now. So it's pretty exciting. Absolutely. And, and we're all looking, uh, looking forward to it. Um, you know, I, I would be remiss if I didn't, you know, a, at least talk about Electric Man for a second here. Um, y- you know, that was where, you know, I was an early adopter uh, of Rival Sons, you know, being a musician, being a drummer. Um, you know, when you guys put the first record out, you know, I was all in immediately and was like, oh, wow, you know, here, here we go. Um, you know, when Electric Man hit, you know, I, I started noticing my non-musician friends were like, oh, my God, you know, this is incredible. Is the new record going to kind of be in that same vein or, you know, has there been any change in sound? Can you can you give us a little bit of a preview? I mean, wh- what are your gut feelings on the new material? Man, it's uh, it's so diverse. It, we have the we have the riffs. We have the riff rock. We have some um, some exploratory stuff. Meaning, like um, I'm not talking about like Sid Barrett, Pink Floyd's exploratory, <laughs> but got, um, just more like um, there's a more acoustic guitar like intros and and um, there's a lot more acoustic guitar on this record. It, but and it, but don't don't be swayed. It's, it's still it's still we got the heavy. Uh, heavy rock um, is all over the place, um, but there's some. Uh, we call them album album tracks. Like I don't know if you, you um, in in the business, like your you have your your songs that can be singles that can go to radio, and then you have your album tracks. And I tend to be with ever every band that I I, I love. I, I always love the album tracks. You know, the five, six, seven minute songs. Yeah. Um, that go somewhere, have a longer solo, a longer outro. Um, you know, it's not just the three, three, 
three minute, three and a half minute, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, you know, song. So we have, we have a little bit of everything. And I think it's like, um, man, it's, it's, we were talking about on the bus last night. It's like rival sons grown up, but not like, not playing like old man rock. It's, it's like, it's still fresh. And, um, uh, so when I say grown up, I mean like going from kids to, you know, 21 years old now, you know, we can drink legally now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, so it's, it's, it's seven records into our career. And I think it's like the amalgamation of everything we've done. We still haven't repeated ourselves. There's, um, I think one, the only place we've ever repeated ourselves that one could argue is, uh, our song Jordan and our song where I've been. They're very, very similar tempo, um, slow six, eight ballads, um, 12, eight, depending on how you want to count it. Um, but they're, uh, but we, we really try hard not to do the, like the same riff over and over again, you know, the same feel, um, that, you know, a lot of, a lot of bands are guilty of having that kind of same formulaic riff. And maybe we're dumb for not doing that because like, I think ACDC's done, built the best career ever, uh, doing kind of their formula, you know? Um, but yeah, that's, it's a lot of different stuff. There's heavy, there's fast, there's slow, um, there's beautiful, there's raucous, um, there's, there's a uh, gospel choir. There's, um, uh, there's a lot. We, we had the, the girls, I don't know if you remember the black coffee song on uh hollow bones, yeah, but yeah, yeah. we got those same girls, uh, on like five or six of the songs. Um, so we got a lot more background vocals. Um, I'd say that's where we expanded the most. Um, Todd, our keyboard player, um, flew out for a bunch of the sessions. So he's, he's on a lot of the tracks. Um, and, um, yeah, yeah. Drums sound amazing, man. I used, uh, I used a Gretsch, um, a Gretsch, uh, round badge, red sparkle round badge. It was beautiful. Um, I think his is a, I think Dave Cobbs is, 24. I, I forgot if it was a 24 or 26, but there's a couple tracks that have this Gretsch um, drum set. And then I did, there's some Mayer Brothers kick drum with the Gretsch toms and Gretsch snare. I had a five, five point, ugh, five, gosh, five and a half by 14 um, hand hammered brass snare. And I usually use six, six and a half, but it was sounding so good at RCA and Cobb's studio. Um, well, and you bring up a, a, a great point mentioning, you know, RCA Cobb studio, um, you know, he, he's now, uh, obviously an RCA a, uh, in Nashville. He, he took yep. that over from, from Ben folds. Uh, you know, I, I guess it's been a couple years back now. Um, yep. but there's been some just incredible records come out of there since, since Dave moved in, you know, and we just recently had Chad Gamble from, from Jason Isbell's band, uh, you know, on the show. And, you know, I said to you, everything Dave touches now turns to gold. Um, you know, <laughs> are you guys hoping for gold or platinum? <laughs> um, I prefer platinum, multi-platinum. <laughs> no doubt. You know, it's- I would love I would love to add to his trophy shelf of Grammys. Um, <laughs> if you, when you go into the the mixing uh, room at Studio A at RCA, D- Cobb's got his. I think he's got four up there now, four Grammys. And so we're looking to add 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 some 
How about best best male vocal performance? Um, rock album of the year. Um, what else? What else would we be up for? Um, song of the year? Why not? Right? Song of the year. I'll take three Grammys next year. How about that? <laughs> that that sounds perfect. You know, we'll see what we can do about that. Um, <laughs> you, you know, but I mean, we we were joking around about that. I mean, Dave is just you know an incredible producer. Um, so you know, you were talking a little bit about the gear that you recorded on. Um, I, I'm curious to know, you know, once you get line checks done on your drums and and you're sitting down and you're ready to start, you know, recording and and cutting a song or whatever. Um, I, I'm guessing that you guys are pretty much off the cuff, you know, first, second take on almost everything. Does he, you know, does, does Dave say, okay, Miley, you know, let's go one more time or is it pretty much first and second take stuff for you guys? It's, it's both. There's some stuff where, you, uh, Dave keeps us on our toes, man. Like sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm pretty meticulous, you know, I'm, uh, got a music degree and, in, and. In, um, it's not that I like bring, you know, nerdy music degree crap into the studio, but it's, I, I am a perfectionist. I hear stuff a certain way and, um, phrasing and I always like phrasing to be the top of my list. And, and, um, um, some, you know, sometimes a, a fill into a chorus can be a hook. And, um, so sometimes I'm like, okay, let me get another take. I think I got, I, I got one I want to do. And he's like, no, we got it. So then, so then it's like, it goes to the, it goes to the grave, you know, it's, it's, um, it's going to, it's on tape and they're already overdubbing on, on that take that I didn't want, you know? Yeah. But, uh, you slowly get used to it. Then there's like, okay, I just, dude, that was the take. I just got it. Cause most, most of the time, um, when you're tracking everybody on the floor, like the very least Cobb wants a good drum track. So, and, and if, and if, if, uh, if everybody else, are you still there? Yes. Okay. Um, if everybody else does, does, does good, then they, they keep that, but at, at least you want a good drum tra- track off the floor. So sometimes I'm like, I, I, dude, that was it. That was the take. And he's like, ah, let's just get one more. Trust me. And, um, and sometimes he's doing that because he knows he's pissing me off and, uh, <laughs> and so I might play with a little more, uh, uh, a little more anger. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like sure. in a fun way. It's not, it's not, like beat up Dave Cobb, but, um, <laughs> although some, there's sometimes I do want to beat him up, but, um, uh, it's, it's brotherly love. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, that's the mark of a great producer is to know, you know, how to get the best out of, out of the players in the band. Right. I mean, um, yeah. y- you know, I mean, there's a producer that I work with quite a bit and sometimes he'll say, man, it's just not good enough, you know, and it, and it gets me fired up and then I go, you know, do one more take and he's like, yeah, there you go. You know, I, I just had to get under your skin a little bit. Um, and that's what's that's what's so cool about us drummers is, you know, sometimes we we get in our own head too much when, when the red light comes on, you know, and we, yeah. we freak out a little bit about, Oh, okay. And you're, you're in your own head space too much and, and you just got to get away from it and get mad and, you know, cut a really good take. Um, so I, I'm really curious to hear, you know, the new record and, and obviously well, we've got a little while to wait. Um, you can know, I comment on that last, that last thing you're talking about? Absolutely, Yeah, for sure. Um, it's just anybody listening, um, this day and age, you got guys using pro tools and logic and, and, um, real easy editing programs. 
Um, I, I don't know if this is, uh, what do you call it? Um, like bad advice or good advice, but it's, it's worked for me. Um, you know, you can go in there and, um, and if you totally mess up, you can, you can go in there and edit a bar or a beat or, or, a, or a four bar phrase, whatever, like, um, knowing when I go in there, knowing I can edit, um, edit like so out of three and a half minutes, if one fill sucks, I mean, you did pretty good. <laughs> so just fix the one fill and play your freaking heart out and like, just like go, go to, to, to whatever your limit is, you know? Um, and, and limit could be restraint. So, um, restraint is one of the hardest things to do is just to play the stick to the same groove, um, with no, uh, what do you, uh, um, we're, we're, I don't know where you're kind of improvising little licks here and there. You're just like Billy Jean style, like boom, stick into a, a thing that, that takes, that takes super, super balls, man. Um, and, uh, but that, that's kind of how I, I approach a take. I just go, I go all in, pardon my French. Um, <laughs> you're Norwegian. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you're going to bleep that out or what your, your podcast etiquette is. I, I apologize for that, but just going, going, going all in, um, and, and knowing you can edit stuff later, you know, um, is better than being scared and, and going, Oh, I got to get this perfect. It's like, Dude, I, I guarantee you, ninety-eight percent of the stuff you're listening to on the radio has been edited to all—I mean, like beat detective, um, you know, putting all of all of your eighth notes perfectly on a grid. Like people are doing really, really—I uh, don't know. I—I'm not into that. Um, it, in case you might, in case you you can't tell already, but. Um, rival sons has never used a click track. So, well, and, and I think that's why, you know, so many drummers are drawn to you guys, you know, and, and to your playing in particular is, uh, you know, drummers are, are good of, you know, sniffing out the BS, you know what I mean? And yeah. I, I can certainly tell when somebody's been, you know, snapped to the grid and, and I, I don't like that stuff either. You know, why not just use a machine? You know, I mean, that's, that's, and I don't mean to sound like a snob, but I want it to be real, you know, and I, I love records that are pretty much cut live on the floor. And you guys are known for doing that, um, you know, and and again, going back to Dave Cobb, you know, he's smart enough to let you guys be you. He's not going to, you know, interject himself and change the sound of the band, which I think is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. No, Cobb is great at that. He's he's. um. And, and, and having done um, six, seven records with him now, it's, I mean, we have our, we have our uh, pace, we have our rhythm. It's, it's, it's kind of, a, there's a lot of unspoken, unspokenness going on. Like we, we know, we know where we're going. We know when something sucks and when something's great. And um, it's, it's pretty rare when, when um, there's always one or two songs in the record where like one guy's going, no, 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 we have to do this. And, Everybody wants to scrap the idea, and maybe Jay, Jay might have a real strong feeling about something, and 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 it's like I think this this last record we laid down like twenty or twenty five ideas, and we're narrowing it down to twelve. So, um, um, and, and so when you have that many ideas going out there, it's like might as well see somebody's somebody's vision all the way through. I mean, it's like 
Um, the worst that's going to happen is it's going to get scrapped, but at, at least we could say we, we tried. Um, yeah, for sure. Well, I, I, and you bring up a good point and I'm curious about this. You know, if you, if you track 20 songs, you know, you, you got them to kind of the finish line and you're narrowing it down to, to 12, what happens to those eight? Do you guys have a vault uh, that you're keeping this stuff in for for later use, maybe, or or are you guys one of those bands that just say, yeah, it didn't make it and and it's gone? Yeah, everything's on a hard drive, and we've we've joked about um, you know doing like a B sides. We we have we have plenty for like a double album of B sides. So. Um, and man, there's a, I would say I'm the kind of the biggest fan of the band. So like when, when we're laying stuff down and we're voting on if we're going to keep something or not, I'm like, yeah, let's keep it. It's cool. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, the, the biggest scrutinizers I would say are, uh, Scott, Scott J and Dave Cobb, you know? Sure. Well, let's, let's talk a little bit about the Rival Sons live show, um, you know, and I, so I'm going to fully admit, you know, I, I live in central Kentucky, so it's not exactly the concert hub of the universe. OK, um, and you guys have been through, you know, Cincinnati, Louisville, Nashville. You guys play a lot. You, you're known for your your touring. You guys work a lot. Um, I have never seen clear to make it out to a rival sons show. You know, I've either had a, a session or a gig myself. I've just, I just haven't had the opportunity to see you guys live in person. Now I have seen tons of videos out there on the internet and all that good stuff. Um, you are a monster player live. Um, and specifically, you know, some of the videos that I've seen, like I've seen you play in just a nasty Texas shuffle kind of thing, you know, live. And it just grooves so hardcore. Um, you guys toured extensively with with Black Sabbath here recently, um, you, you know, so you're doing some huge shows. But let's talk a little bit about how you approach, you know, your playing live, because I think that's that's your element, right? Oh yeah, I mean that's where we sort of uh um that's where we shine is is live and and we never do the same show twice even if the same set list. Uh there's always something different. Um uh are you still there? Yes. Are we still on? Yes. Okay, sorry. <laughs> that's all right, um, man. I man, I understand. We're we're <laughs> we're crossing yeah, we're the talking. ocean today, so it's it's all good, man. Yeah, they, I'm nine nine hours ahead or something of you. So, um, yeah, the uh, the live show is kind of our, you know, it's it's the the eye on the top of the pyramid for us. Um, even though I, you you if you pull the band, we love the studio. We love making good records and um and, and making the albums, you know, sonically pleasing but the live show is just it's our our band is 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 like an improvisational band in the in the vein of the 60s british invasion um you know progressive blues and uh maximum r&b like the who called themselves um so we capitalize on that like freedom and so um live for me personally on the drums um i i do an hour warm-up uh, it's it gets I commit to a, uh, you know, a warm ups 
thing so I can go get in my own headspace for an hour. Um, I jump rope. I do yoga. I do resistance bands. I have a practice pad kit. Uh, I do rudiments, paradiddles, doubles, and singles and to a metronome. I mean, I, I nerd out. Um, I do push-ups. I do pull-ups. Uh, air squats. I do kettlebells. <laughs> I, whatever I can do physically to to um, uh, just break a sweat. And so, and it gets me kind of in an animalistic um, pregame linebacker. Um, you know, I love sports, and so. Um, I started studying a, a few years ago, like a lot of um, famous athletes and their warmups. And I found that we're, uh, there's a lot of uh, overlap. And I, I wrote an article in Modern Drummer about warming up and stuff too, um, somewhere in the archives. <laughs> um, so warm up, warm up is like my, my thing. And um, it also gets your muscles ready. Um, you can injure yourself pretty bad. And, and a lot of drummers battle carpal tunnel and tennis elbow and um, you know, aches and pains in their back and they, they have bad technique and, um, they're absorbing all, all of that, you know, like your back beat into the snare and a lot of guys bury it right into the snare every two and four. And you're, you're, you're just, your, your arms looking in so much, uh, or your wrist actually, when you don't let the energy go up through your wrist, through your elbow, up into your shoulder and back down again, um, with like a free flowing, energy pattern you know i've done acupuncture uh i've had physical therapy i've um i've had so much body work uh done active release therapy um i've had a lot of injuries and so i'm um, getting to a point here so bear with me i three years ago i started studying with uh uh dave elich and um dave elich changed my whole my whole um playing my my technique he loosened me up got my wrists. Um, his whole thing is like wrist bounce, like letting, the, not necessarily letting the stick do the work, but the, um, um, letting the energy just happen. Like no finger pull up on the doubles. Um, everything is a bounce. And, um, and so like literally after studying with baby Lich now for three years, I expend half the energy that I used to, if, if not more, like I, I um, I walk off stage after a 90 minute set and I can do 90 more in a problem. And, um, and so changing my technique was a big, big, it was humbling. I went back to doing double strokes at like 30, beats per <laughs> minute, you know, yeah. so, uh, eighth notes at 30 and just that, 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 you know, um, and those are bounces too. You, like your first stroke is a wrist stroke and the next one is just the stick coming up and back down again and controlling it at 30 and working up to 35 and then 40, 60 and all the way up. Um, you know, you can set your metronome to like speed up every, every eight bars, you know, by two clicks or something. And, um, spent hours doing that. And, and so I completely revamped my doubles and paradiddles and singles um, paradiddle diddles. And, um, and now, now it's like the, the, the chops are effortless and I, I don't do gospel chops, um, with rival sons, but it's good to know that you can do 30 second note phrasing over, you know, a slow tempo and good to know you can do that. Sure. <laughs> um, and who knows, you know, when Erica Badu or Rihanna calls me and wants me to do a track, I, I <laughs> 
and I can step up and do some gospel chops. <laughs> <But>. <laughs> well, I, you know, I can't wait to hear that. I'll say that. <laughs> you know, I, I, I could, I could see, uh, if rival sons got famous, I could, I could see me playing with Rihanna. She, she loves combining like hard rock. She's got Nuno Bentoncourt as her band director, her band leader. Um, and he goes out there and does tapping solos and like, you know, a lot of the people, the music is really, uh, a lot of convergence is happening. And I, I think Rihanna's really, really cool in the, in that way that, um, uh, she's very experimental. She did a Tame Impala song on her last album. Like, so cool. Um, but yeah, I'm not, I, I guess I'm kind of, uh, outwardly pitching myself to do a track on her next album. Well, you know, I'll give Nuno a call and let him know that you're available. So, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> Nuno's he's actually a, a fan of the band. We, we played a, a festival last year in the UK that, um, extreme was playing, uh, on, and they were doing like a reunion thing and he stood side stage the whole set and, that's it was awesome. Such a, yeah, it was such an honor, dude. I was like, freaking Nuno, dude. So yeah. Cool. Well, that that dude is he's something else, man. He he was he was one of the the greats during that era. Um, I I want to back up just a little bit, Miley, if I can. You mentioned something, and and um, you know, you said active release therapy. Um, and you know. I'm one of those guys. I think we're about the same age. I'm not sure. And and I'm not going to ask you to give it away. But, you know, I started having some aches and pains and I went down to Nashville and saw a cat down there, a physical therapist, um, you know, or a, a chiropractor rather that kind of wrote the book on active release therapy. And it helped me immensely, you know, and you you brought up technique and kind of relearning your technique, you know, and, and starting your double slow again and, and things like that and, and taking lessons. I'm just curious, do you uh, you know, I know you guys work a lot, but do you take on any students to, to help other drummers with, with some of that stuff? Uh, I've been try- I've been sort of brainstorming. I know a lot of guys uh, do Skype lessons. Um I, I, I sort of at this point, um, I would just I, I'm kind of uh, not a very good businessman in, in terms of lessons because I would just probably have to charge so much um, because my time is so valuable when I'm when I'm not playing now. And I got I'm a, uh, I got a wife and two kids and, and, you know, I give them everything I have when I'm when I'm not on the road. And so um doing, doing, doing lessons. I've, I've talked to all my, my drum companies about maybe doing a clinic tour. Um, I, I, I'm just, it's not fake humility. It's just like, I've been to clinics and it's always shredder mofos that, that can just shred. And I'm not a shredder. I'm, I'm a song, I'm a songster. I play songs and I do it with feel. And, and I guess maybe it, I could do a, clinic on feel i don't know how the heck you would do that but <laughs> well, yeah i mean i i've been put in that situation you know uh, hey would you come do a clinic you know for for one of the companies that that you know i'm on the artist roster and i'm like man i that that's not my thing you know i, I i'm not gonna come in and do just some blazing solo and you know, odd time metering and stuff. I was just like, you know, I, I don't think there's a lot that I can add to the stew. <laughs> you know what I'm uh, saying? Um, you know, find somebody that can shred, you know, for sure. But I yeah. mean, I was just curious if you, if you were doing anything like that. Um, you know, I, I know that 
that you know prior to rival sons you were in pretty high demand as a, as a session guy are you still doing sessions for other artists as well um no it's you know i put i put out a lot of phone calls last year i got a td50 um a roland td50 sponsorship and uh and we got an avid pro tool sponsorship and i started putting out calls uh to some producer friends I know that I do remote recording, you know, or they send, they send me the files. I record it in in my, in my studio and send it back. Uh, A lot of drummers are doing that these days. A lot of sessions, a lot of stuff you're hearing on the radio is, is the, you know, the drummer is in his personal home studio uh, in the comfort of his own home. I mean, um, uh, I follow Ash Stone uh, on Instagram. He's a, a UK, um, a UK session guy, uh, follow, follow him on, um, uh, on Instagram. He's, he always, he's always posting, uh, he has a GoPro set up, uh, during his sessions. And so, you know, he, he you, you see the footage of him actually playing the session. It's pretty, pretty cool, man. Um, yeah, he's a monster I, player too. He's great. I wish, I wish if anybody's listening, I, I wish uh, I'd get more calls to do, um, records and stuff. Um, but uh, rival sons is, uh, yeah, I have I have a pretty pretty decent career going with them, and um, and we're really busy, so I'm not, you know, uh, thank God I'm not I'm not like hurting for work. Uh, when when Rival Sun, we just took eight months off, and I played two gigs with one band out outside of this the work. I, I just was like Mr. Mom, um, you know, yeah. with my kids and going to CrossFit. That's another thing I do. It, it's um. Uh, I, some people like think CrossFit's bad. Some people think it's good. Um, my, my coach is a Albanian, um, Olympic weightlifting, uh, coach. And so I'm, I would focus more on, on technique and stuff because, uh, if I get injured, um, you know, my, my, you know, I, if I get injured, I don't work. So, uh, it's very important to, if you do, if you do do CrossFit, find a, find a good coach and go slow, um, you know, don't go heavyweight, uh, at the beginning, don't do muscle ups, don't do kipping pull-ups. Um, uh, I don't know if that's Japanese to you or not, but, um, but, uh, if you, CrossFit is a really great way to, to, um, you go what the workout is, you get like the beginning of the class is usually some kind of Olympic lifting. Um, and it's really good for your mobility and, and mobility and obviously cardio and strength. Um, but if you just did CrossFit all, all light weights and never tried to go heavy, you, I mean, you're opening up mobility, uh, opening up your shoulders. And when we, when you play, when you play in an arena, arena, um, you, you know, you could be doing wrist strokes for this groove, but when you're in an arena, you throw some Mahler, Mahler technique in there, get your, get your wrists a little bit above your head. Cause you're putting on a show as well. And you're, you have to have your arm, your arms, you have to have mobility, um, to, to put on a show, at least in this band. I mean, I'm kind of a maniac. <laughs> I'm standing up <laughs> hitting down and jumping up and, and hitting down beats and missing down. Beats. <laughs> like I, I, I just try to, I try to my, like my personas. I hope it's comes off as I'm not trying to take myself too seriously. So, um, I like animal from the Muppets. I love Keith moon. I love the, the performance, um, style of, of Keith moon, John Bonham, Ringo Starr, those old Beatles, uh, 
live live footage that you see is um, Ringo's just like smiling and having a great time. He's like, I'm in the best bed in the freaking world. Like people want to see you having fun. You're you're lucky. You're blessed to be playing drums for your job. You know? Oh, yeah. yeah. It, could, it could be worse. You could be, you know, uh, I mean, dude, I've I've li- I've dug ditches. I've I've retiled and regrouted floors. I've I've regrouted bathrooms and painted houses, painted warehouses. Um, so I worked as a painter and tile. I, I've done so many bartended bus tables, waited on waited tables. Um, I've done ev- everything. Worked my ass off to get to the point where I could make a living as a drummer, and so. Um, so yeah, I don't know where I was going with that, but well, I mean, the the big joke with, with me and a lot of my buddies, you know, I say the worst day of drumming beats the best day of working, you know? So, I mean, I, I I think, I I think that's what you're saying there. Um, yeah. And Charlie Watts, Charlie Watts, there's a quote, Charlie Watts. It's, um, I don't, I don't get paid to play. I get paid to travel. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's. Like I'll play anywhere. I like, I love playing, you know, um, but the travel, man, I mean, we just did a, we just did 11 hour bus ride from Oslo and, um, and it's literally through these tiny two lane roads, um, through mountains for 11 hours. So, um, you're, you're tossed around the bunk. I mean, you're, it's, you, you're, I actually slept pretty well. Um, but uh, thank God. Yeah. If you don't, sometimes if you wake up and you're in a, a real rough part of the drive, or maybe there's construction, and you're just blah, 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 you're just like, I cannot go back to sleep. So then you just wake up and read, or go. Sometimes I go sit up with the driver if I can't sleep, and just talk to the driver and <laughs> keep keep driver company. We have the same driver for five years here in Europe, so it's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, I know touring in Europe has its own its own set of difficulties, um, you know, as opposed to the States. And, it, you know, it's um, it, it's hard on you. I mean, I know that and I know you enjoy the shows, but it, but that travel part is definitely hard. Um, Miley, I want to be respectful of your time. I don't want to take up too much uh, of your day. I appreciate you taking the time. But, you know, one of our traditions here on the drum shuffle is we always ask our our pro guests, you know, for just a good piece of advice, you know, so for all the uh, the drummers that are out there listening, um, you know, share a good piece of advice with us. Well, I don't know if I said it earlier, but I mean, warming up, warming up, um, staying in shape, getting mobile in your body, getting your body uh, strong. And I'm not talking about get, you know, becoming like a a bodybuilder, muscular and all that. I'm talking about staying fit is a really, really important thing, man. And I, I I read an article on Kenny Arnoff a while back. And, you know, he was, I don't know, he's like in his fifties or something and he does yoga every day, stays in shape. And you watch that guy play at, you know, whatever he's like 55. I don't know. He's playing like, he's like 22 years old, man. And he looks great. And, um, he's playing with everybody and he's flying all over the world and he's, he's got so much energy and you just see it in him. And he's like, 
fit, healthy, eats right. You know, um, this is not, I mean, it's, it's easy to get, uh, it's easy to watch uncensored, you know, the Motley Crue documentary and go, yeah, man, I want to party, <laughs> or, you know, Coke and whores, woohoo, you know, um, it's, it's really, this is a really tough, tough thing to do touring. Like I was just talking to Jeff, uh, Friedel, drummer of perfect circle, um, good friend of mine. And, and they had like, you know, three or four fly dates in a row. And th- you're talking like you're playing from nine 30 to 11 and you're, f- you're, f- you're going to the airport at five thirty AM. So you just th- do the math. Like you have your post show. Um, sometimes I do some icing. I'll, I'll crack a beer and just chill. Um, but then you got a flight in, in, in six and a half hours and then you get, to, you get to the, there to the hotel and the hotel room's not ready and you're sit, you know, it's like you, you need to be fit and in shape. And if you are unhealthy, um, all that stuff's going to catch, catch up to you, you know? Yeah. Um, for sure. So yeah, I, staying fit would choose your poison, you know, like, um, whether it's, whether it's, uh, crossfit or, or just running I, I i ran two marathons and two half marathons in the last four years and um you know just putting putting that in my schedule just makes me go okay i gotta wake up and i gotta go running you know and then i i, I studied this uh, crossfit endurance guy who does ultra marathons and that's how i discovered crossfit to get strong for running and um so jay and i will go running three or four times a week together um on tour jay's my singer um and so just have just having a fit mindset, you know, you, you know, if you if you like having beers on the road, just make sure you go run five miles tomorrow, you know, like have your beers, like don't be too hard on yourself, you know. Um, but, yeah, I would say, you know, staying physically fit is a is a good piece of advice. Be humble. Don't be a jerk. You're going to get more work being a cool, a cool person. Um, and being a lesser of a player than a, a way better player who's a total dick, you know, yeah. um, you, you'll, you'll probably get more calls than, than that person. So, um, yeah. And being nice doesn't mean being a pushover. I mean, you're, you know, um, they say the meek, meek shall inherit the earth. But if you look at the, uh, the, the root words of, of meek or where it comes from, it means the sword is sheathed. So, you still have a sword, but you keep it in the sheath, you know, so you're still a badass, but, um, but you're, you're such a ninja that you don't have to use your sword. You know, that's what meek actually means. It doesn't mean like, like, Oh, I'm a wimp and I, I'm a pushover and I let people walk all over me. No, no, it's, it's, um, you know, meek meekness is, is strength, strength through peace through strength <laughs> you know what i mean yeah absolutely so. and and i mean that's great advice and you know it, i i'm happy to say this miley you're one of the nice guys in the business you know i mean it, seriously um you know you've been uh, just so accommodating to me and and our show you know to make this work and i really do appreciate it um i want to go ahead and extend the invite when the record drops we want to have you back um, so that we can absolutely, you know, talk about the record. I can't wait to hear it. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, you know, the, the big thing, you know, you guys enjoy the, the run over there in Europe. I know you're over there. To, I, th- I guess 
the first part of July. Um, you, you got some shows with Guns and Roses. Um, so for our European listeners, you know, go see these guys uh, right now. Now, after the record drops in September um, or, or October, I'm assuming you guys are going to be hitting it pretty hard over here in North America as well, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so to answer all that, I would love to come back. Um, hoping to maybe we can share you some snippets of some of the new songs or something, or maybe maybe stuff will be out on iTunes uh, for like pre pre order stuff, and um, maybe we'll be releasing a single in August, so we can talk about um, some of the stuff on the new album. I'd love to come back and um, uh, and yes, come come out and see Rival Sons. We're we're on the road um, in Europe. All, we're doing dates with Queens of the Stone Age. We're doing dates with uh, a lot of great bands, uh, obviously Guns N' Roses. Um, and then, yeah, we'll be in the States hopefully uh, around September. We're putting some dates together, some ideas together. And, um, and yeah, we're, we're hoping to, to blanket the States. So it's been a lot of regions, a lot of people um, yelling at us on uh, social media to come, come to their states and come to their cities. So we're doing the best. You, you only have like what your agent, you know, you're at the, at the whim of what your agent books. So it's not like we choose our, our tour schedule. So, um, we go where they tell us. So, yeah, for sure. Well, and usually, you know, not to be business or whatever, but, um, usually it's where you're going to sell the most tickets. And so if we don't go to your city, it's because we we're not like polling well there, you know? So, I mean, it's, it's, it's politics too is involved. So, don't be too offended that we don't go to your city. Um, hopefully you can jump on a train or, or carpool with some friends and uh, make a road trip out of it. Uh, a lot of people come see us and they're like, they drove eight hours, 12 hours, four hours, you know, two hours that in Europe, they'll take, they'll take trains, you know, um, for, four, you know, four hours from, from Hamburg to whatever. And like, you know, um, I used to go travel. I followed the Grateful Dead for a few years um, <laughs> when I was a youngster, a young, crazy wackadoodle. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, but that doesn't surprise me about you, Miley. I, I, <laughs> you know, we had never talked about that, but I, for some reason that does not surprise me. And that's awesome. <laughs> oh, dude, I'm a, I'm a crazy deadhead, man. I, I'm a huge fan. I toured with the dead after Jerry passed away. I played Jerry's uh, memorial at Golden Gate Park um, with Mickey Hart and uh, um, Santana, Sheila E., Babatunde Olatunje, Zakir Hussain, all the members of the dead, um, Wavy Gravy, Timothy Leary. Um, I, met, I met, met them all. Um, I was like 20 years old, and, and, and to be a part of that dude was like – that was epic. It's totally epic. I can only imagine. I mean, there's an episode of this show right there. You know, we'll have to have you back and just do nothing but the dead for an hour. <laughs> oh, man. I, I would. Dude, Billy, Europe 72, it's just Billy. That's one of my favorites. No offense to Mickey Hart, but um, Billy Kreutzman, man, that guy could swing. And he had chops for days. Um, and. Yeah, once I got, I could get. Uh, once I realized, like Miles Davis was a fan. Um, I was, you know, huge, huge jazz aficionado, drummer. You know, studied jazz my whole life, and 
and I, when I found Miles Davis was a fan, um, sorry, turning this water off. Um, when I found out Miles Davis was a fan, I was like, okay. And then Branford Marsalis was playing with them in LA and my roommate took me to see him and he's playing soprano sax with them. And man, I'm like, these guys got street cred from a lot of Bob Dylan, um, uh, Bob Dylan sat in with them all the time. Um, you know what I mean? They musicians, um, you know, talk about what a great guitar player Jerry Garcia was, you know? And so, yeah, obviously we could talk a long time no, about that. No doubt, man. Well, we'll, we'll have you on this show anytime you have time for us, brother. We will geek out on the dead for an hour anytime you want to do that. So, <laughs> Awesome. Well, Miley, again, thanks so much for the time. I really do appreciate it and making this work out. You know, we're nine hours apart. I know it wasn't easy, so we really do appreciate it. But we'll look forward to having you back on the show uh, when the record drops. You guys have a great run over there. And uh, uh, we'll talk to you real soon, brother. Sounds good, man. Thanks for having me. And thanks, everybody, for tuning in. And if you if you lasted this long, uh Hit me up on social media and say, hey, I listened to the whole thing. And um, we'll try to arrange a handshake somewhere out and about. <laughs> cool. Miley, thanks so much, brother. All right, dude. All right. See you, man. Okay. Cheers. Bye. All right, everybody. That's going to do it for episode 22 of the Drum Shuffle. As always, we appreciate you listening to this show please hit the subscribe button to whatever platform you're using to listen in. It helps us tremendously to continue to grow. We really do appreciate it from the bottom of our hearts over here at the Drum Shuffle. Next week, we are going to be joined by just a, a truly inspirational drummer, a great jazz Afro-Cuban guy. Uh, his name is Daphnis Prieto. Uh, he hails from Cuba. Um, just doing fantastic work out there. Can't wait to have him on the show. So you're going to want to make sure you tune in for that. And coming up uh, shortly after our episode with Daphnis, we're going to be joined by the jazz legend, Peter Erskine. Uh, so you're definitely going to want to hit those. So hit the subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode. As always, keep your emails coming to us. We love hearing from you. The Drum Shuffle Podcast at gmail.com. Our web address is thedrumshuffle.com. And you can find more information about me over at jamieeds.com. So until next time, may your head stay strong and your sticks never break. Cheers.